Welcome to the Girlfriend God Podcast, a podcast in search of and in service to the Divine Feminine, bringing you an equal mix of academic research and emotional spiritual experience. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe and leave a comment. If you enjoy this podcast, share it with your friends, rate and review it. If you're listening on a streaming platform, follow on social media on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Now, let's get in the flow. Welcome to the Girlfriend God, and in today's episode, I'm really Really excited to welcome Joe, who also goes by, and I'm going to mess up this pronunciation, Joe. Is it, uh, do you pronounce it Yai Filiani? Um, well, <laughs> the the backstory behind the name that I use online in Filianic circles is kind of funny because there was this Discord server where we were trying to kind of recreate some Aristasian role-playing just for fun, like a okay. D&D campaign almost. And, and for the audience, we'll get into what all of that means later. <laughs> oh, yeah, those are some... Yeah, I forget. Not everyone's familiar sometimes. <laughs> I spend so much time in Philianic spaces. But, um, yeah, basically, I was trying to come up with a name to use in that space, and I was inspired by the goddess Gaia, but my name starts with a J, so I kind of thought, well, Jaya. And so then, it's Jaya Philianic. Yeah. Okay. Once you know, like, the etymology from Gaia, it makes more right. sense. But for now, I'm just going to say Joe. So, Joe... <laughs> I also go uh, by about billionism online. Okay. So, Joe, who is preferring to remain somewhat anonymous uh, in this episode, that's why we don't have the video, we have this lovely image of the Venus of Willendorf. She is one of the small but dedicated and ever-growing group of people who deeply believe in Dea. And we're going to get into what that means, but let's just say another word for goddess for now. And Joe is in the process of getting her bachelor's degree in social work to be followed immediately by a master's program. She has two minors, one in history and the other in health communication. Joe lives in Texas. And she's always been fascinated by religion, but she was unable to connect with other forms of it around her, which were mainly Protestant or Lutheran Christianity. She created her online presence in order to educate people who have found themselves searching for a religion and who might find that Philianism is a good fit for them. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you. I liked the blurb about me. Um, <laughs> One thing that I, I really appreciate about um, the way Philianists see things is that, as, as you said, I made this to be educational for anybody who wants it for whatever purposes. And, well, <laughs> there's been some controversies we've had. I won't say for whatever purposes, but right. um, not the controversy you're thinking of, probably. Right. <laughs> but um, we, we have a really beautiful thing that was when I first came to the religion was one of the things that drew me in because we say that we only want you to be a Philianist if you feel truly called to it in your heart. And I just love that so much. And I feel like that sums up a lot of how we move in the world. <laughs> right. So let's, for the audience who is largely unfamiliar, I'm going to go out on an assumption because I don't know who listens to the show. Right. I mean, I know mm -hmm. my friends who listen to the show, um, but you know, the other smattering of listeners since i don't know who they are um when someone asks you what is philianism what's the short answer well there's a few approaches you can take in answering that and i can tell you some things that philianism is not um, i was gonna say it's probably easier to say what it is not rather than what it is yeah so if, if I just said what it is, it's kind of briefly, we have our own scriptures, our own calendar. We worship God in the purely feminine form, which means to us that um, it's kind of a personal choice if you acknowledge or believe in male deities. But the main focus of a Philianic practice would always be the divine feminine aspects. 
even if you do believe in the divine masculine parts too. Um, and we are distinguished by having our own structure to our faith that another sister faith, Dayanism, doesn't. So Dayanism is kind of just a general worship of pretty much exclusively the divine feminine. And a lot of people fall under Dayanism without even knowing what that word means, but that's what that is. It doesn't have any specific beliefs you have to have attached to it or scriptures or anything. Filianism is a subset of that, but we have all of those things that provide more structure, um, our own rites and rituals and such. And we are pretty much distinguished by worshiping the Holy Mother, the Holy Daughter, and the Dark Mother. Also, the Dark Mother is known by a few different names because not everybody likes that name. So some people call her, um, though, like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Like, um, some people call her other names, which is just something to know if you see people referencing names that sound kind of similar to that. Sometimes she's called the Wise Mother, um, which is one that I also really like. And yeah, so our, our scriptures kind of, we, we have taken, I don't want to say taken, but we have a bunch of different inspirations from around the world because we're perennialist which means that we believe that pretty much in every religion, there's a grain of truth, whatever that truth may be. Right. So that's kind of like a universalist theory. That's what the Unitarian Universalist Church is founded on. Yeah, I, I would say it's very similar to that. Um, right. And that's part of why we have that openness where it's like, you know, believe what your heart and soul is drawn to and what resonates for you, what will help you grow spiritually. Um, right. Because we do have that belief. I, I personally think we're all basically worshiping Taya in our own way. Right. And most people are familiar with the term Dea, that, that that is the Latin term for goddess. Right? Yeah, it's basically the Latin term. And it was kind of made because, well, one, we want to have our own terminology. And right. two, a lot of people have very patriarchal or negative associations with the term God. Um, right. So uh, many Philianists who have been practicing for a long time will use Dea or God kind of interchangeably right. once they get past whatever issue they had with using that word before. Um, like I, like I, I am frequently, I frequently use the term God and goddess interchangeably. I just prefer the term goddess because I just like the word better. <laughs> yeah, so we kind of reject the gendered part of the God versus Dea thing, just because uh, at the end of the day, we think that the ultimate deity, uh, you know, what what is, is the divine feminine. So it's like the same thing to us. Right, right. So that distinction wouldn't be helpful to our practice. So the distinction between my understanding, based on what you just said, and based on what I know of Philianism, is that the distinction between Philianists and Dayanists is that Dayanists have more of a um, loose practice. We could say. well, and more of a a Trinity view of the goddess, right? Like the mother, the daughter, and the dark. That's mother. the that's the Philianic one, yeah. Oh, the, okay. The so I have them. I have you, them you had it. Reserves. You had it float. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Dayanists <laughs> can be like any belief system that worships like exclusively the divine feminine, basically. Right. So um, I would fall can, into that category, like because I'm a monotheist, or I consider yeah. myself a monotheist, and that there is one supreme goddess. Right? Yeah, that's one, essentially the one divinity, one source. Mm -hmm. okay. And on the Mother God website, they have a really good explanation getting into all of these things. But right, right. They, they have this quote here that I like about how Danism was intended to define, quote, an absolutely theologically minimal devotion to the mother. Um, so that might help. Like it can be very minimal, just like that belief and prayer and general practice. Or you can be a Philianist or whatever other religion structure it more. So, Okay. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Philianism. Trying to decide what order I want to talk about things in. Well, first, let's talk about because I'm sure that listeners are are and people watching it on YouTube are are curious. So why the anonymity? Because I know that's not just you. Because I've talked to other Philianists who also 
really kind of protect their privacy and their anonymity. Tell us why that is. Well, there's a few different things that come to mind. Um, <laughs> I, I think that a lot of people drawn to philianism, just in my experience with the type of people I've interacted with, this isn't the case across the board, but many of them are pretty shy people. <laughs> uh -huh. um, we, we, we we're kind of similar in, in that way, like many Felinas. Not that there aren't some really amazing, like, Saivike devotees that are, you know, right. warrior aspect um, focused, but <laughs> we, we do tend to be pretty shy. And we also kind of have an aversion to making our faith about any one person. That would be a really big one because several times throughout the years, there have been people who have found Felinism and kind of seen a hole in our leadership because we don't really have a leadership not quite since right, um, right. not since the 2000s when some leaders died and it was kind of it's a contentious topic who can uh rightfully be a priestess and such due to lines right. of initiation and a whole conversation that would be entirely different that i'm trying not to move into um but basically there's a lot of people who have seen that we're kind of an independent community and don't really have a nucleus, so to speak. And right, right. they've wanted to be that nucleus for their own purposes um, because they like having perceived power or something. Right, so there's right. been a lot of issues with that. So we are very wary of anybody trying to take that stance as like the leader, you know, um, just because right. we've been burned in the past and by some unfaithful actors. <laughs> Right, right. Well, I was thinking, you know, in in some uh, in some areas, I I see that how that could work. Like I'm thinking of, you know, like twelve step programs in particular. Like they're all anonymous, right? And they're anonymous yeah. because, again, for the same reason, right? Because no one's in charge. They want to make it an equal, like an, a level playing field. Yeah, right? we're nobody's, all in, nobody's in charge of AA, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of the same thing. On the other hand, and I think you and I have had this conversation um, in, uh, privately, between, just between the two of us, because I've talked to you before, um, about how, but when it comes to religious movements, there has always been, a leader and we've talked about that division in the community of do we want to move this religion forward or do we want to keep it the way it is now so i can see how that would be kind of a bone of contention within the the community so so let's talk about um the history and these previous kind of splits so when i first met you joe you told you sent me to that bbc podcast with the story of the house in, was it in Ireland? Is that where that house was? Yeah, are you referring to Burdenport? Yes. Which I'm you, very much not Irish listeners, so. <laughs> right, right. Um, yes, it was the secret of St. Brides. That's what you, that you do send me that BBC like six part um, podcast series on uh, Assume Nothing. I think that was the name of the podcast which was really the beginning of Philianic history, correct? Well, I wouldn't say that. It was, um, it's the most widely known part of Philianic history because of the controversy surrounding it. And I, I think a misunderstanding in many ways of what they were trying to do, but then also a lot of what people think happened is probably accurate. Um, Philianism did begin as something called Madrianism, which you might also recognize that Latin root word, like Madria, mother. Um, right, right. And Spanish. in 19th, that, yeah. Right, Spanish, romance Ma Madriana. Yeah. Um, so in 1976, a group called Lux Madriana at Oxford is the first documentation that we can find of what came to be modern Philianism. And they made the magazine that is now enshrined in the Opera Omnia of the Madrian Orders, Part 2 and 3, in the right. Eastminster Library. Um, and, yeah, so all of the writings and, from that... Uh, let me back up a second and, and, and just talk about that, the Lux Madrina and um, 
I'm sorry, what's the other book? You just said it. I've already forgotten it. The opera. The opera Omnia of yes. the Majorian Orders. So, so that's those two books. The library part two and three. Those two books are, I'm just giving more details for the listeners. Those two books are kind of a, a, a collation of all of the documentation that a previous uh, Philianist was able to find in archives and through research and a lot of academic research, really, uh, who and he had put or she had put them all together uh, and compiled all of those for you. And those are available for purchase online, correct? Yeah, they're available on Lulu and no profits are made off of the sale of any of the books. Okay. And there will be, uh, a, there's a link for that uh, for anyone who's purchased, who's interested in purchasing those. There will be a link for that in the show notes for this episode. Yeah, definitely. I'll send that to you. Um, okay. they're, even if you're not a Philianist, they're very amazing books with their own rich history right. and beliefs. Right, and I really right. Especially it. if you're, you know, because a lot of people are interested in the history of religion in general. Like, yeah. And Philianism is, if nothing else, it is a religion. So I'm sorry. I interrupted your, your flow just to, I'm always thinking about what the audience may or may not know. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, um, there, there is some, I, I've heard a lot of things over the years about when Philianism began, but the most commonly agreed upon time is about 1976. Although some right. people say that they saw Marian apparitions that were worshipped in a Majorian way, like much earlier than that. I think maybe around like World War One or Two or something. But right. those again are like stories, and we're not quite sure of the historical veracity of that. But Lux Majoriana yeah. is something that we can prove that's has uh, written documentation that we can look back. Right, there's there's source material there. You know, I love my source material. A, a lot of a lot of people think that the earlier stories might just be a way to like legitimize the religion. Because a lot of people, you know, think it has to have like ancient or older roots to be legitimate. Right. So some people think I don't. I don't think that. I don't. I don't think that. I think that, and we've had this conversation on this podcast a lot. I think that goddess reveals herself to us, however she reveals herself to us at different points in time. I definitely agree. Like when she's needed, when she's needed in the world. She shows up in the way that she shows up to the people that she shows up to. Yes, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, and one of the, oh, geez, I was saying something. Um, we were talking about the history and the, the Lux Majoriana in the 80s, 70s, 70s. Yeah, in, in the late Oxford. 70s. Okay. There, yes. Um well, one of the other reasons why I kind of reject that perspective is like, again, we're perennialists, but also we made a very concerted effort in our, what I believe to be divinely inspired scriptures yes. to draw upon key themes from mythology from around the world and throughout history. So one of the parts of the scriptures featuring the Holy Daughter um, has her kind of going through a descent into hell, similar to Inanna, the ancient goddess of Mesopotamia. And, um, you know, so there's themes that thoroughly connect us to our foremothers very, very far back in history that I like about it. Because right. a, a lot of what we do is trying to get as close as we can to what would be like, quote, an original religion, so to speak, or... Right some idea of that like what is the closest that we can get yeah so it's a different distinction most religions don't make <laughs> I, right and we see a so lot true. of that on this show when we look at ancient history that there are a lot of tropes and symbols and symbolism and uh i'm trying to think of other synonyms for the same word but that, that do cross millennia and geography and cultures. Like I just recorded an episode the other day with, uh, with Dr. Carla Ionescu, Dr. Carla Ionescu and she and I were talking about ant, uh, horned goddesses and antlered goddesses. 
And since my focus of, of study is on antlered goddesses, I drew I draw upon a lot of lore about deer, um, reindeer yeah, in particular. And yes. Yeah. But who is really more of a concept than than a goddess. But that that trope of deer and deer magic and deer mythology and flying deer and reindeer goes back millennia and across mm -hmm. culture and across geography. And like that is not limited to a fixed place in time or to a specific culture. So so I get that, that that philianism is the same way, that these ideas are not fixed, that they do go back to not only ancient history, but even before that, right? That's the goal, yes. So I get that, I get that. So um, so we had the Madrians, Lux Madrina in the late 70s, and then what? They well, were circulating um, in the pamphlets, right? Yeah, they were a group at Oxford, and um, there were other Philianic Madrian groups that existed at the time, we believe, but they don't really, they didn't leave the same documentation behind that Lux Madriana did. Okay. So we generally refer to them. They were the most um, active group available to us. And they made the Coming Age magazine, which again is in the books we mentioned. And then in 1981, they kind of extended beyond Oxford. There was um, actually like a significant amount of Madrians, like within the English area. And in 1982, they tried moving the burden for Ireland and that relocation failed. And then... What and that was, this, that was the St. Bride's place, right? Um, I think that that might have been Rosa Madriana. It's, the names confuse me a little bit, but I, I had written down some history before our talk, so it would be a coherent timeline. And what okay. I have for Rosa Madriana is that um, it was led kind of by a woman named Madria Olga, and she wanted to preserve Philianic practice after the disaster at Burden Court. So yeah, that probably was by Lux Madriana. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Okay. And um, when she died in 2008, so did the group of Rosa Madriana. And then um, there's several other things that you get into. You have the Silver Sisterhood, you have the Daughters of Shining Harmony, modern independent Philianism. Can you talk about those a, a little bit? Just kind of a overview. Yeah, so the Silver Sisterhood was kind of parallel to Rosa Madriana, but in 1984, they were really trying to raise funds to hold property in St. Bride's, and they were led by Miss Alice Lucy Trent. Um, she was and she's, the she's the one who wrote The Feminine Universe, right? Yes, she is. And while many of their ideas are kind of controversial, um, they're associated with Aristasia or Aristasianism. Right, um, and that's like the online world, right? That's bizarre. That's a bizarre part of the story. It's definitely a unique part of the story, although I can respect what they were trying to do. Um, the idea yes. was kind of, if you're familiar with other kin. <laughs> Not familiar. It's, it's kind of this, uh, it's kind of this idea of people who believe that their souls, um, like inside are like something else. If, right. Kind of, anyway, like, kind of like the people that, that think that they're animals. I, I, I guess of. it's associated with that. Yes, I, I was thinking on the spiritual level because of uh, on the, on the spiritual level. Okay, like yeah, I, yeah. But I there's understand. a lot of definitions of it, and I'm not really part of that community, so I can't speak to it. Um, okay. But yeah, essentially, they kind of did believe in um, a better world called Aristasia, where there was which only was all women, of, right? Which which was all women. There was only worship of God and mother. And it, it's kind of interesting because they're all women world um, did kind of have its own dimorphic sex system, but not really. It was divided into blondes and brunettes. Right. And there's some funny things there happening that we can get into, but I, I don't want to make light of their beliefs. I do think what they're trying to do in many ways is admirable because they wanted to live a pure and simple deracinated de life. And right. that was kind of the goal to someday get back to Aristasia. It's kind of similar to people who, um, I don't know, I kind
kind of loved it in my brain with people who believe that they're like quote like star seeds or something right it's sort of similar to that they were very sincere which i can respect in any movement yeah i mean it's a sincere it's a sincere desire to want to return to an or to a different time or an earlier time that you believe once existed or you know what i mean yeah that's pretty much what or, it was, or, um, or an ideal time that hasn't existed but you believe could exist yeah you know, and i get that i can i can get behind that sincere desire I, I can really understand it too, because I know that it's not just myself, but many people feel disconnected from the modern world. And that's kind of what they were all about. They called it the Aristasian experiment. And it was Majorian households who sought to re-racinate, <laughs> I'm a Texan, sorry, themselves by living with elements of like pre-1960s life, because they had this really specific belief put forward by Miss Alice Lucy Trent. That right. pre-1960s life was um, like just a pure and better way to live. And as far as like racination goes, it's kind of like um, very serious, honestly. Like imagine if your soul was being harmed by modern life. That's kind of what that is. Right. So they wanted to like heal their souls. And I feel like a lot of modern people, if they sat down and, set, set down and thought about it, would be understanding of that idea because we have a lot of alienation in our world with technology and the way things have gone right so i mean when i so they do they did talk about that in that um in that bbc podcast as part of that story and i feel like they because they were the ones that were building a computer game right yeah, they they did some really interesting stuff. I believe they made, um, oh, I can't remember, but it was like the first of its type, what they did. Right. So, I mean, it was almost as if... They were very intelligent it, women. Yes, obviously. Highly. highly intelligent women. And I remember, and I think I told you this at the time, too, that somewhere on YouTube, there's a, a documentary called something about miss martindale's which which i believe was about their lucy trent and their time at saint brides and they interviewed her because they talked about this the corporal punishment and all of that and i remember her saying you know that it was the desire of all women and i think what she was really saying was to heal that some sort of childhood wound about being a good girl we have very different language now <laughs> right right i get that yeah. um but i understood like what she was saying because i i do think that we all have some inner child that was told they were a bad girl so they want to be a good girl i get that we mm -hmm. all have that at least i think we all have that um as women so i don't know where i was going with that oh I was going to say, it's almost like they were in one big live action role play scenario. Yeah. And they, and and they, it, and they lived it. They, they really did. I might not agree with everything that they believed, but I really respect them and their dedication. They, right. um, they tried doing it in real life. And then there was also online forums that they would frequent right. and they would do um, the same thing. I've met a few people who actually participated in those and, um, let me tell you, anybody who was a part of that, very fascinating to talk to. I, I wish I that I was, but it's kind of before my time. <laughs> right. So, okay, so we had them, and what what's next in the timeline? Oh, geez, probably the Daughters of Shining Harmony. Um, okay. They were one of the quieter groups, but they also did a lot to preserve Philanism. Um, and they didn't last super long because after that in the timeline i think we get to independent billionaires but there's also other movements um it's kind of hard to track with billionism because we have a long history like you said we like anonymity for for whatever reason um right. i i think but a like lot most of it religions it has these failures. different branches right that people yeah, so many in the different groups so many different branches and right now is kind of ex an exciting time too because i'm in contact with one of my friends online who is trying to revive one of the orders that was previously kind of um 
not really in practice anymore. If you're familiar with the Jainite Dayanist, Janet, Jainite? Uh, uh, sort of. So um, they kind of became recognizable in 2015, unlike their current form. And they are essentially Philianist, but they just have a different bent to it. Mm -hmm. um, and they have a different belief on how the original here or fall was with how, um, you know, in our scriptures, how that all began. Right. And they're trying to revive that right now. It's really fascinating. I'm really happy that this is coming back because I quite like the Jainites. Okay. And um, I, I went into that spiel because I was just saying it's hard to make this timeline because there's so many little offshoots and secret orders that people right. have done. Not like nefariously secret, but just they were quiet women who just wanted to practice by themselves. And so right. they do that, you know. Um, so I believe that you told me that like what's happening now is kind of uh, third wave Philianism, right? The first wave being Lux Madriana, the second wave being kind of the failed experiments at St. Bride's, and you guys, right? Yeah, I think that would be a fair way to talk about us. And um, that's part of why I've made my online presence, because I just really think that so many people could benefit from knowing about our um, our religion. Right. So I don't want to be, I kind of want to be um, not a leader, but just a source of information and in a community where a lot of women don't want to be what they perceive as the face of the movement. Right. Like um. Tell me about uh, the Chapel of Our Mother God, because that is the one thing that's online that is a fairly definitive source of a lot of information. Yeah, unfortunately, um, a lot of the things that I've mentioned, the Daughters of Shining Harmony, um, Aristasia, everybody, they've had really cool websites that I had the pleasure of seeing, but many of the blogs and websites end up being taken down eventually, just I, I don't know what happens there, but you know, online material can be really hard to keep preserved. And yes, and I've wondered that about the Chapel of Our Mother of God. Like, who maintains that website? I'm really not sure. I think that other people would know, um, possibly, but I've, I've tried to get into contact with them, but they haven't contacted anybody for a long time, from what I understand. Right. Um, well, I hope it never goes away, or I hope it's at least archived on the Wayback Machine at the Internet Archive. Yeah, I keep needing to very carefully go through every web page on it and make sure it is. They have a lot of articles that are very fascinating, and I love them. Um, I mean, I would say I suggest that website to anybody who wants to know about Philianism, just because it's such a handy tool. I, of course, I also send them to your stuff now because now you exist. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, trying, good thing, to, I'm right? trying to help make it a little easier to learn about because um, the chapel is an amazing resource, but I there's some common disagreements uh, in the modern Leonic community about how they word some things and um, things like that. But also it can be a little bit academically worded at times, which I like. I, I'm drawn to that type of thing, but I, I want to make too. it accessible. <laughs> And so that's why I have my Instagram and my YouTube. Right. And well, and I love it when you read from the scripture. Thank you. I, I do. Um, I need to record but, more of that. It's just been a rough year. But I also get that sometimes people are, are turned off by the Chapel of Our Mother God book. Uh because it is so because it, it because it reads like the Bible. I mean it's scripture, right? And the and that book came from people who were coming from a Catholic background. So of course that's the way it's written. Right? Yeah, and um the other thing about their edition of the scriptures is that it's a little bit different than other ones. They have a heavy focus. I wish I still had my copy, but my mother lost it actually. <laughs> oh really? Um but you yeah. still get it on the website. So like you know what I mean? Like somebody's doing that. Somebody's fulfilling those orders when you buy the books from the website. Definitely. It's on Amazon as well as you can buy it through their website, which I think right. is just a link to Amazon, if I remember. 
but um, they, they do have more of a focus on some Hindu aspects in, in that edition. I don't yes, know. Yes, like even it. the cover art is the Hindu goddess. Yeah, um, which is really fascinating. From what I understand, that came about because when the chapel was being founded, there were apparently like Hindu women that were a part of it or something like that. Yes, or the I think the one woman was heavily influenced by the Hindu religion. Yeah, a lot of people who um, believe in perennialism or universalism are heavily inspired by Hinduism because it's just such a a, a straight line back in history that you can right. see goddess worship and continual goddess worship that hasn't right. fallen off like it has in what we might call the West with different factors of, at play. <laughs> so do you know why that is? Why the Catholicism bent to that particular scripture? I mean, I, I think it's kind of just like you said. Um, that that's just their uh, background. Yeah, a, a lot of people, there has been a history beyond Madrianism, beyond Philianism, if you look in the church history, of people going to services just to worship the divine feminine aspect. Right. And that's probably about how that started. And one of the other motivations is, um, I kind of touched on this earlier, but this idea of a line of tradition and worship being unbroken right. um it's another controversial topic but essentially the idea is kind of some of the best practice that you can do is connected to worshiping as long of a line of unbroken worship as you can because it's um it's kind of like a pure and unbroken tradition so that's why a lot of people right. with that belief are very drawn to deities and hinduism or perhaps green tara or what have you because they haven't been disrupted in the same ways that like, um, you know, Artemis, for example, has. Even if I do think that there's been a line of that since um, the rise of Christianity that just maybe was not always viewable for necessary reasons at the time. Right, right. But it's, it's kind of like this idea of um, strengthening maybe the argument for uh, uh, let me figure out how to word this. It's it's just an idea of how to have the best and most authentic practice that we can in this current age, which is difficult to do. And so one of the things that is admired about, and you'll see a lot of Mother Mary imagery in Philianism. Right. And that's the and, case. And, but you know what's funny about that, Joe, is that so often on this show, we as goddess worshipers, the people that come on this show, we talk about, many of us were raised in Christian or particularly Catholic households. And the thing that resonated with us as children was never Jesus, it was always Mary. And I encourage you to listen to the season finale from season one, which was about the Virgin Mary and all the mythology and all the goddesses that went into Pope Gregory's kind of invention of the Mother Mary archetype yes I, I would love to listen to that and you kind of touched on what i was about to say because yeah. the reason why her imagery is so common and why i think they maintained a lot of the more catholic elements is because she kind of represents the only unbroken line that we have to goddess worship um right within what some might call like the west you know um yes because she i mean come on Queen of Heaven, <laughs> all of the epithets and a imagery. lot of other goddesses are called the Queen of Heaven, and the things yeah, that the symbols that title. she's associated with are associated with other goddesses. She's yeah. associated with doves. You know who else is associated with doves? Hera. <laughs> exactly. There's such a line of tradition there. Or that... no, I'm sorry. Not. I have to correct myself. Not Hera. Inanna. Inanna is associated with doves. Yeah, that sounds more accurate. I was... Yes, I'm sorry. I misspoke. Oh, I had Hera on the brain because I was listening to a podcast episode of Carlos about, about Hera. So Definitely nothing to apologize about. We love having Hera on the brain. Um, That's true. <laughs> but, but yeah, so for that reason, she's a very attractive figure to people who right. have that belief system because it's such um, it's such an ancient practice and it has been for a very long time. Right. So... I, I understand it, and I have a lot of Marian imagery myself in my practice. Right. Yeah, I, I titled that um, that episode "Blame Pope Gregory." <laughs> <laughs> he 
He's he's behind a lot of things, a lot of very damaging things, including the creation of Mother Mary. Because what the Christians did was they took every goddess and made her a virginal character. Because God forbid a goddess should have any kind of sexuality about her. But that's a whole other rant for another show. Okay. Um, So I, I do have a question, though. Before we yeah. move into some of the concepts about um, about Philianism, actually, I have two questions. One is, what would you say, or what do you say, if people suggest that Philianism is a cult? I would say that that is a huge misunderstanding of. Um, what we represent, especially modern independent Philianism, which is about as far from a cult as he could get. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know but, about that, though, because the dictionary definition of a cult is a system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. Well, sure. And in, in the traditional... I mean, we think of cult as a negative connotation, but really the definition of it, I don't know. I don't think that's such a bad thing. Well, in the in the more traditional, maybe sociological terminology, um, right. yes, pretty much any religion is a cult. <laughs> um, right, right. Christianity yeah. is definitely a cult. <laughs> well, well, you're referring to the other element there, I think, by your tone of voice. But right. there's there's dual definitions. That, right. Play, the the other definition is a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. Well, I think it goes beyond that and into some of the elements of coercive control and um, right. the ways people are manipulated into doing things they otherwise probably wouldn't do within cool. So we the, have those two Drinking boring, the Kool-Aid <laughs> kind of cult. <laughs> yeah, drinking the Kool-Aid. We're, we're definitely not <laughs> right. wanting I mean, to be associated with that. Yeah, so um, yes, in the, in the religious sense, sure, we're a cult, but also... Um, there's been a lot of controversy with people online calling us the negative sense of the cult because they they look at what we believe and think that we're weird and they don't really understand it. Um, they think that we're going to hell or what have you. And there's also been some really weird ways that people, I kind of alluded to this earlier when I said that um, th- there's been I, I kind of joked like, oh yeah, I want this information to be used anyway, um, like to help people. And then I kind of joked like, well, not really anyway. And that was because there's been some really disgusting people who have taken Philianic like uh, writings and ideas and are not associated with Philianism, um, but rather BDSM. And they've perverted a lot of the things we believe because, you know, there's a lot of people within uh, that group who are attracted to the idea of um, women and power, and they pervert what we believe into that. Um, and, and and you know what, Joe? I can relate to that because, and I have nothing against that community because, to be totally honest, I have some of those kinks myself. However... As a feminist, I have thoughts about it, but... Right, but I mean, I'm talking about. I'm, I mean, but I'm talking about. You know, very. I, I mean, part of that community is that it's all very consensual. Well, um, I, I don't want to talk about something else, so we could probably just uh, okay. stay on the religious. Well, yeah, we can argue about that some other time. Because um, <laughs> I, I too, I'm a feminist, but I do resent their. Uh, co-opting the word goddess and goddess yes. worship yes so i think that's that, what you're talking about it's, right it's what it's one of the more specific forms of that yeah. co-opting yes yeah. and a lot of us are very upset about that because we yeah. do not want people to look up our you know what i think to be pure and beautiful religion not that you can't have sexuality but you know what i mean right right um, i do i know exactly what you mean and find these types of things. But luckily, I think it's been buried more and more online by other top, like by other web pages and such. So it's harder to find. But like it is right. still there. And um, yeah, I would say 
things like that is what confuses people because they've there's been times in the past where people look up our religion and then they see that and they think oh that's who these people are no 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 <laughs> those are some yeah. fetishists who um really misunderstand and misappropriate what we believe and do it because we really don't have any power to stop them right like you don't see that happening right. with larger religions no one would dare do that to islam say right well and i was going to say joe you know the more our educational content you put out there it will take some time but especially if others kind of join your cause and start doing their own thing like you did the more stuff that's online the more the higher you will come up in the google search results when people type in the word philianism because yeah, right now goal. right now when you type in the word philianism all roads lead to either the Chapel of the Mother God website or um, old Tumblr accounts. <laughs> we really like Tumblr for some reason. I know you do. <laughs> I think it's nostalgia. I think you have a nostalgic attachment to Tumblr. I, I, I actually kind of, um, a big reason that I went back to Tumblr was because of the Philianic community there. That's really been kind of thriving for a long time. Right, right. Um, it's very funny to me. <laughs> it but is. We do have an affinity for the platform for whatever reason. Um, right. And yeah, that's kind of my goal. I want to educate people on what it really is. And of course, there's different expressions that people can personally identify with. But that right. is not something that is one of them. <laughs> right. Um, well, however, I don't want to sound... I'm sorry, go ahead. We, we do have a lot of members who um, are big fans of um, like kind of the concept of Yoni and the, the power of uh, that type of union between two people. Like it's not sex negative. It's not necessarily sex positive. It's do what you want, you know? Um, right, right. But just not in that sense that the other people took it in, which is very different than what we believe. Right. Um, so speaking of tumblr and google search results and all of that no, um <laughs> you know i mean you know because of how we met i had such a hard time finding you guys um and it's only because of social media that was not tumblr <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right because i made that yeah. post on instagram and you and uh, someone else that you know that you know that we both know reached out to me and were like, "Hey," because I posted the cover of the Chapel of Our Mother God book and said, "Where are these people? Why can <laughs> I exist. get information?" <laughs> yeah, I understand that frustration, and I kind of have the perspective of um, when I was coming to this religion, it would have been nice to have some of the resources I'm putting out on my Instagram, on my YouTube. Um, I've there, slowly but surely made my way through the scriptures. I'm working on it. But. Is there a Wikipedia entry for Philianism? It goes back and forth. Um, you had mentioned race or Razel earlier. And um, for a long time, actually, we worked on putting a Wikipedia entry. And part of, I, I'm going to refer to race as race because that's how I knew, um, you know, them. But as, essentially, we spent a long time trying to make a Wikipedia entry that would not be immediately taken down. And that's why a big goal of races was um, to kind of academically legitimize and provide resources for our community because people kept taking it down on Wikipedia and saying, you're making this up, this isn't real. Um, I, I don't know, there was this person who whenever it was posted on Wikipedia, they would just immediately report us and take it down, which um, were about as non-problematic as you could be. Right. It, it was very upsetting. I'm not sure if there's currently a Wikipedia up right now because it's been this ongoing battle of trying to get it up, having it taken down, trying to get it up. And we do have sources, which is what's frustrating. It's not something we made up out of thin air. Right. Um, very weird, very strange. Um, yeah. That's the that type of challenges like it, we That face. seems like some uh, patriarchal uh, prejudice going on there, which is not surprising since you know 85 percent of the people that edit wikipedia are white european males so. I, I don't know about those demographics nor why they would do that but i i can definitely see that being a reason i just know that it would very quickly be taken down i think mostly by the same person or people yeah. um but that's just some of the barriers that we face because 
you know, not even being able to make a Wikipedia page because of that type of thing. It's ridiculous. So right, I'm trying right. to help legitimize us to people who don't really know what we are and what we're about and right. provide that information. So let's talk about some of the concepts in Philianism, like the geniati, kind of like angels, right? And, um, and whatever else you think is important for uh, for the listeners to know, anybody who might, you know, be looking for a religion to claim as their own, like I was, uh, you know, when I kind of stumbled into your lair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope our, our lair is comfortable and well lit. But <laughs> and friendly, yes, yes. Um. Yeah, so the idea of the Janyati or the Janya, um, there's two different ways, really, that we predominantly see them. So uh, on my Instagram, I posted this picture I really like of the Pink Floyd album where they have the prism with the rainbow shining through it. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I like to explain our belief system with how we see um, God and her incarnations. Um, because we, we don't really... You, you can worship the Janya as Dea, if you would like. You can see it as goddesses who are just different faces of Dea. Um, you can also see them as kind of angelic beings in her service. And that's the two most commonly held beliefs about them. Right. And they rule over the different orders of the universe. Like you have Saitame, who's all about harmony, and Saivike, who is about like that warrior aspect of, you know, um, righteous justice and that type of thing. I really love them. Um, I think they're one of the cooler parts of our faith just because it's um, they're, they're very unique. And if you ever interact with them, they have really distinct energies and they're very protective and sweet. The, um, the Kabbalah is somewhat structured like that. Like there's an, a, a hierarchical order of angels. Yeah. Um, and we do kind of have a similar hierarchy in the sense that some of the Janya are more directly representations of the Holy Mother, Holy Daughter, and Great right. Mother. Um, but it, it is, again, less hierarchical. Um, there are parts of the scripture in, that, that deal more with hierarchy, but those have honestly largely been re rejected or taken to mean different things than maybe how you would just outright read it. Mm -hmm. um, by modern billionaires, if that makes sense. Sorry, my cat is... <laughs> one oh, of that's okay. Animals abound, right? They're all her children, right? We were talking about that before we got started. Yeah. Um, so what other concepts did you want to talk about? Um, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about. I think it's really cool. Like I said, we have structure, and you can choose to participate in that structure pretty much how you would like. It's one of the things I appreciate about it, um, because there's there's several different paths to worship within Philanism. So you can right. do the more intellectual route, which is a way that some people um, have an easier time interacting with deity. And there's also like the path of love and light where it's more emotion based and you just right. feel all of the emotions very strongly in worship. Um, and I like that distinction that's made because I think it opens up to a lot of people things that might be inaccessible if they, well, I have to feel emotion or I have to be intellectual. You can be either. Um, right. And those are both valid and legitimate paths, whatever gets you there. We right. Have, I mean, I think, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think both are important. I mean, that's kind of like, that's my whole deal with the podcast, right? Bridging the academic research with the emotional, spiritual experience. And, yeah. I, and I think that's one of the things that Philianism offers, right? That's why that, that, the literature and that collation of, of scripture plus source material is so crucial, or at least was so crucial for me, and I think for you. Oh, oh, for sure. I mean, um, like the sheer amount of symbolic elements from global history and spiritual ideas that our foremothers fit into the different stories they made and the coming age magazine and all of these different things really astound me. So there really is a path for everybody. You can be right. more academic or more the emotion based route. And I like that. We also, um, we do have a Philianic creed that you can read on the chapel, but again, it's another one of those things where it's about the, uh, 
the level of interaction you want to have with what you think about these things. Like the creed can be taken as dogmatic, but a lot of people also support it as like right. just a beautiful poetic expression of our beliefs. Yeah. So again, there's that diversity that I really love and you don't find that in many places, um, I think. And there's there's other ideas that I really like. If we were get to get into kind of some, what I would consider like necessary vocab. For, for right, right. Um, we kind of covered the Janyati and there are seven of them. I'll send you a link to if anybody wants to learn more about them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there'll be a, a whole bunch of links in the show notes for this episode. So many. Uh, <laughs> so many uh, links. <laughs> a, a lot of topics can rely upon prior knowledge people will have. We have our own very distinct history and language, so I understand that that's a bit more complicated to right, right. research. <laughs> Um, another concept that I would consider pretty pivotal is this idea of, um, I, I pronounce it like Avala, and I think it's also Avala, um, if you go by the pronunciation laid out in the book one of the Eastminster Library, which is the, uh, the scripture aspect and also the kind of handbook to how to be a billionist. Um, and that just is kind of like the heaven that we believe in that we would go to be with the Holy Daughter and that she is the ruler over. Um, and we have a really cool, I think, metaphysical worldview and idea of death. Um, a lot of billionists believe in reincarnation. You, you can mm -hmm. believe that you just go to heaven and you kind of stay there. Um, but a lot of billionists do believe that you go to Avala as a place of rest. And then when you're ready, you go back onto the uh, you know, the wheel of the world or what have you and reincarnate and keep experiencing and, life. And what's it called? Avala. Avala. I, I remember seeing that in the literature and going, oh, so it's like Valhalla, but not. <laughs> that's, that's a funny way to put it. I, I can yeah. see that. Because <laughs> that's um, what it sounds like, right? I mean, they sound very similar, but um, much fair, more... Yeah much more pleasant like i don't have to be slain in battle to get there definitely not all that you need is a belief in the holy daughter and <laughs> right right and again as a perennialist i that's just the word that i think that any heaven refers to right right it's another topic um there, there's also the idea that i really like you're talking about hera the goddess earlier mm -hmm. um i wanted to expound upon this because this might be confusing for some people to see the term Hera, but not referring to the goddess. Mm -hmm. um, so like within Philanism, there's this idea of Hera's or, and again, like the pronunciation it lays out, it says Hera, but I'm going to say Hera because I'm a Texan and that's just how I'm going to say things. Okay. Um, <laughs> and that just kind of refers to like a spiritually advanced person or soul who has gained enlightenment and can perform miracles, sort of like a saint. Okay. And um, a lot of Philanists kind of see Hera's as, you know, any great teacher that we really admire. And we use the same, um, uh, what's the word, like the same title as we do for the Janya for Hera. Yeah. So you, there's a lot of people that you might see refer to Sai Buddha or Sai Jesus as great teachers. And that's an honorific as a way to respect them and what they did. Um so I, I think that that's a really cool distinction. I really like that idea that you can, um, and you know, there's a lot of, it's very personal who you consider a hero to. Like I know one person within the community who um, sees Joan, Joan of Arc as a hero and you know, there's all sorts of interesting overlaps and right. people you could consider that. Um, most pivotal I think would probably be the idea of here because here, K-H-E-A-R. Okay. Which is our idea of, um, I don't want to say sin, but that's what people would think it's most analogous to. Um, right. We have kind of the view that here is just a separation um, from God. So it's like a chasm between you and the divine, and your actions right. either put you closer or farther. So that's all that here refers to. Um, so if you do something that takes you away from God, you would be like, accumulating here for example it's kind of similar sometimes in use to how we might say like karma okay it i it, which is kind of a separate thing but some of the ways we use it are similar um 
And those were, yeah, those were the three things that I was highlighting before we talked. And I was like, I think people need to know about this because it's part, it, it makes it a lot easier to understand other things if you kind of know those terms. Right, right. I, that in particular, I think of that as, um, as alignment. Like when I am aligned with my goddess and the will of my goddess, I am at, I'm at peace. And when I'm, when I'm out of alignment, when I feel some sort of discord, I'm, I'm just like, I'm just not aligned. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. And we have a word for that too, um, dame or dame. And it basically means that like exactly like that kind of harmony and peace that we right. try it's, to have. Right, it's community. about harmony. Right, because the only war I ever fight is between me and me, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we have an idea that kind of gets to that, like the true self and the false self that you can see in our scriptures and the teachings of God the Daughter. Right, and um, right. it gets into that battle between the true and the false self, and what right. the true self aspires to versus not. It's really fascinating. So I guess I do call myself a, a Jainist. I just don't use that term because I've been calling myself a goddess monotheist for so long, and because <laughs> I call her goddess and not Dea for so long. I don't know. I, I don't think you necessarily have to refer to her as Dea to be a Dana. That's it's true. That's true. Yeah. That's yeah. true. But people understand what I mean when I say I'm a goddess worshiper, and they don't understand what I mean when I say I'm a Dayanist. <laughs> yeah, which is why right. I often will use both. I'll put like slash Dayanist or what have you. But... Right, right. So. Joe, I don't think I have any other questions. I think we've given the audience a lot to think about, and they're probably going to have more questions. But because of you, they now have a place to go where they can get those questions answered. <laughs> yes, and um, I have an email, I have a Facebook, a Twitter, an Instagram, a YouTube. Uh, it's right, been kind and, of they can, and they can come to you with their questions. Yeah, so at any time, I encourage anybody to DM me, send me an email, like, any form of communication you prefer. That's how uh, you originally got in contact with me. You sent me that email right. about the podcast. And I was right. so excited that day because no one ever emails our email. And I'm like, <laughs> we're here. <laughs> email me. Yes, yes, yes. Because I really wanted to get somebody on the show to talk about this. And, you know, I mean, it's not like being on the show is going to give you exposure to a million people because the podcast isn't that big, nor does it have enough followers. But, I mean, you never know. Right, like the podcast could grow, or I could have more followers in the future, or a friend is going to tell a friend is going to tell another friend. Who's gonna, you know what I mean? Like you never know. That's the thing with a podcast, right? You never know who's listening. Yeah, I mean, if I based any of my efforts on who I thought or the amount of people I thought might be seeing it, I wouldn't be doing much. I have to see. It's it's hard to gather any kind of traction online, especially right. religious purposes. Um, right. If you're not like you, Wiccan or right, and you do it because you believe in in what you're doing and you believe in what you're saying right yeah it's it's a project of love and i i've um not been the most consistent in my postings perhaps because i've yeah. had a lot going on <laughs> right but it, it is a project of love and i'm not going to if you see me not post for a long time do not think i'm gone i don't see myself leaving anytime soon <laughs> i don't either and thank goddess for you right and you're young too I'm 21. Really? Yeah, that's a, yeah. You're really young, <laughs> but I, I have been in this religion for several years now. Um, right. I think and going I on, think that, and we need young four. people. Right. We need this third wave filianism to carry on the tradition because if it wasn't for you, it would die. It yeah, and that's live. really the conundrum with any religious movement. It's right. If you don't it's have difficult. I wonder if there's um, a bloodline of those original Madrianists who, you know, for all were... we, who, for, who, for all we know, are carrying on their religion in some other part of the world, and we just don't know it. Yeah, again, there's so many um, groups that are quiet, very quiet about what they do. And so that's definitely not an impossibility. I've often wondered that myself. A lot of them it's... remained anonymous because they didn't want people to see them as prophets. Right. So. Because you and I are very, you know, we're isolated here in the United States, but 
Um, and we don't, you know, and, and even our Google searches are limited because we're in the United States. I was yeah. telling somebody the other day, and I should have written it down because I forgot how I did it. But not that long ago, I figured out there's a way that you can change your, if you use Chrome as your browser, as your internet browser, you can um, change the settings of where Google retrieves your search results from. Like you can change the country that your Google search results come from. Huh. Like I changed mine to the UK, which the results are very similar, but especially when I was looking for academic things, I got some different results. So I'm curious to play around with that and see how different the results are if I change it to, I don't know, Australia or Scotland or, you know what I mean? Yeah, that could be a really interesting experiment. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, you know. The Matrians were so household focused. And I think there is a high chance maybe there is a lineage somewhere. Um, right. Because they, they were very focused on that idea of the house is, you know, the Hestia is the center of everything. And right. it's where everything comes from. And so it's very sacred and important. So I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> Well, Although that, they and would the be goddess, very old by and, now. And, and the goddess, Hestia, right? That's home and hearth. Yes. Right? That's well, they kind of they kind of refer to the home as like the Hestia lowercase lowercase h. Which, right, but I'm saying yeah. that's no it's not a coincidence, I don't think, that they chose that. Oh, definitely, definitely not. So yeah, well. but um, look out for my posts online. I'm going to be posting about, I think I might have done the first Philianic curse recently. <laughs> um, okay. Lots of good things coming up. I'm working on a lot of things. All right, Joe. Well, I'm really, really glad that you came on the show. And I hope that, you know, our our little contribution with one episode on one podcast among thousands out in the world uh, makes a little bit of a difference. And know that I support you and the work that you do. And if there's ever anything I can do to help you, just let me know. Um, and maybe we'll have you back on the show or some of your other friends uh, in a panel type situation at some point in the future. That but, would be um, so cool. But I will be in touch. But until then, uh, we have some sort of, some sort of, what do you guys usually say when you say goodbye to each other? Um, well, we have a greeting, Rayadi, which is kind of similar. A, I know you have a greeting, but you don't have a parting. Well, it, I, I wouldn't say a formalized <laughs> one like that. Um, I, I think I think Rayadi could probably be used as a parting, too. Okay. All right. Well, you can say Rayadi. I always say to my guests at the end of the show, may the love and the peace of the goddess be with you. That's really sweet. Rayadi is kind of um, similar. It's kind of like the idea of, uh, what's it called? The the Hindu word about, I, I see the light in you or what have you. Um, oh, like namaste. Yeah, it's kind of like namaste. Okay. So, um, Rayadi. <laughs> so, Rayadi, Joe, and I will talk to you soon. Yes, definitely. Thanks for watching The Girlfriend God on YouTube. If you enjoy this podcast, the best way you can support it is to like it, follow it, leave comments on the page, rate it, review it, share it with your friends. But most of all, subscribe to this channel. And if you want more of The Girlfriend God, you can find The Girlfriend God on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Thanks again for watching The Girlfriend God.